Uh, please turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 4, in page 534. Uh, if you open to the middle page of your bulletin, there will be outline. Uh, the outline to follow is the one on the, on the left, yep, the one for 6 p.m. Uh, let us pray. Uh, dearly Father, we thank you, Father, for bringing us here today uh, to hear your word. Uh, please help me, Father, to preach uh, faithfully and clearly from your word, and uh, please help us, Father, to have attentive ears to hear your word. We pray this in the Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a few months ago, uh, a young lady came uh, into a seminary church, uh, into this church. Uh, she came crying and wanted to speak to somebody from the church. Uh, so I was there at that time, uh, so I, I sat down and talked to her. Uh, in the beginning, uh, it was hard for me to figure out uh, what exactly caused her to be so upset that she was sobbing. Uh, but gradually, I found out that, uh, that her friends were attacking her verbally. A group of friends that she used to be in good terms with uh, started alienating her. Uh, they started to say some, uh, some lies about her in front of her boyfriend. And according to her, they were trying to break the relationship between her and the boyfriend. And she doesn't know why. Uh, they spoke some really horrible things about her, which of course she said were not true at all. She wanted to know where is God and why did God allow all this to happen to her. So we see, for the example of this young lady who came to a church crying, that lies and false accusations indeed cause great harm to us, isn't it? And today in our Bible passage in Psalm chapter 4, uh, the psalmist faced a similar situation. Here he was attacked by those who spoke lies about him. Uh, let's look here in verse 2 of Psalm 4. Verse 2 he says, O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love when words and seek after lies? So we see here the psalmist face the accusation of those who love lies and when words. When words here simply means empty words, words that have no truth or substance. This, the psalmist has been attacked verbally so much so that his honor has been turned into shame. So here he said that he has received honor, which means that he did not do anything wrong and have remained righteous all this while. But his opponents sought to put him to shame with lies. Uh, from this psalm, we are not given more specific details about the kind of verbal attacks that the psalmist face. All we have is this, this verse here. They speak about his trouble. Uh, but as we know from the title in verse 0, uh, it's a psalm of David. This may well be the cry of King David in the Old Testament while he was running away from his son Absalom. So we see that in chapter 3, Psalm chapter 3 previously, last week, that David was running away from Absalom, his son, who was trying to seize his throne. And we see in Psalm chapter 3 that he faces physical dangers, isn't it, as he was running away, as we see in the content of Psalm 3. Uh, but if we go back to uh, the Old Testament story about this episode in 2 Samuel 16, uh, book of 2 Samuel chapter 16, we see that David not only faced physical dangers while he was running away, but he also cursed. He was also facing verbal attacks by those who hated him. Uh, back in 2 Samuel 16, a man called Shimei, right? You might know this name, uh, name in the Old Testament, Shimei, a special name, quite a name easy to in remember. Uh, this name Shimei cursed David, saying that he is a man of blood, and that is why retribution has come upon him in the form of Absalom who rebelled against him. I uh, see, apart from Shimei, there may well be many other people during that time uh, who use this opportunity to verbally attack David. Right? There could be many who come up with false stories 
about why David was being attacked by Absalom. Well, they could be saying, uh, David must be a cruel father, isn't it? That's why Absalom rebelled. Or that David must be a tyrant king uh, that caused this to happen. But we know that all these things were not true. Uh, we know that David was righteous all the way. Uh, he, was, he was not cruel at all. He was being kind even to his enemies, uh, like Absalom and Saul, who seek to kill him. And so by looking at the story of David, uh, it gives us a better understanding of, of the cry of this psalm, or what is happening behind this psalm. Uh, I suppose that some of you here uh, may have faced similar verbal attacks in your life. Uh, maybe your colleagues say some untrue things in front of your boss as he or she tries to shift the blame to you. Uh, maybe your friends spread some nasty stories about you at uh, school, at work, or university, even though they do not really know the truth. Uh, if you experienced those before, uh, it must have been a terrible feeling, isn't it? When you sought to, be, to do the right thing, when you haven't done anything wrong, uh, but others twisted the truth, painted in a, in a bad light, uh, turn your honor into shame. Maybe you have cried out in the same way that the psalmist did here uh, in verse 1, at the end of verse 1. Oh God, be gracious to me and hear my prayer, crying out to God to hear you. Uh, maybe you have not yet encountered such, such verbal attacks. Uh, but it is good for us to learn, isn't it, about how you approach this situation uh, in the future. Uh, so we see that the psalmist, when facing uh, the kind of verbal attacks that is being uh, said here, the first thing that came to his mind was to cry out to God, isn't it? We see the verse 1 here. He cried, answer me when I call. And as he called out to God, notice this interesting phrase in the next line. O God of my righteousness, in verse 1. See, what, does it, what, does it, what, what do we know here from this phrase, O God of my righteousness? The psalmist was emphasizing his own righteousness, isn't it, that he's righteous. And the God that he called out to is a God of righteousness. So we see that in calling out God to, for help here, it was important for the psalmist to assert that he was calling out to God as a righteous person. And not only in this place, but also in many other parts of Psalms, we are told that God will only hear the prayer of the righteous one. Uh, many times, the many writers of the different Psalms uh, in, in the book of Psalms, they show that they have confidence in praying to God only because they have maintained their righteousness. And so, uh, this tells us that if we want God to hear our prayer, uh, we must be righteous. Uh, we cannot be unrighteous and expect God to listen to us, don't we? I see I have, I have two young boys uh, in a house. One is two years old, one is three and a half years old. If you, two, you put two, these two boys together, what will happen? Fight always happens, isn't it? Uh, they always fight with each other, uh, snatch each other toys. So uh, there are many times uh, they will actually hit each other because of the toy they are snatching. So there are times when my older son uh, tried to take the toy from my younger son, and my older son Joseph just hit the younger son. And the younger son couldn't bear it and just slapped his face slid his head back. And then the older son came crying to me, saying that the brother hit him and wanted me to intervene. What would I do at that point? Of course, I wouldn't intervene, isn't it? Because he was wrong as well. I wouldn't listen, I wouldn't listen to his plea for help. I would actually rebuke both of them because they were both wrong in hitting one another. You see, it's the same that God tells us. God does not hear our prayer if we do not act righteously. Well, it doesn't mean that we have to be sinless for him to hear us because we can never be sinless, isn't it, while we are still on earth. 
Uh, but it does mean that we should always seek to try to be righteous and to recognize the sins that we committed uh, if we want God to be on our side. Uh, it's not just in this psalm, but in all the psalms. If we want to use the same words that the psalms have used, we have to be righteous, as we see in Psalm chapter 1, back then, that serves as an introduction to the whole psalm. That the one who utters all the words of the psalms are the one who walk on a righteous path. And so we see that the psalmist cried out to God, about how will his answer, how will his prayer be answered? Actually, we see here that the psalmist answered his own prayer before God says anything to him. So we see here in verse 3, he says, The Lord hears when I call to him. Remember, this is the answer to his own plea in verse 1. Remember in verse 1, he said, Be gracious to me and answer my prayer. So his plea for God is just to actually just to hear, just to hear his prayer. And now the psalmist said that God will indeed hear, hear him because it is godly. He says in verse 3, but, God, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Uh, the psalmist could confidently say that God hears him because he knows what God said regarding the prayer of a righteous person. And it is a great comfort, isn't it, for us who sought to be godly before God. Because we know that God will hear us. Or we know that God does not ignore our problems when we remain faithful to Him. And when the psalmist says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself, uh, he's asserting that God knows that He is righteous, even though others twisted the truth about Him. And so the psalmist was comforted to know that God has set Him apart as a godly one, even though others have wrongfully accused Him. So we see that even the knowledge that God favors a godly one set the mind of the psalmist at ease. Uh, even though the problem of those, of those wicked ones who spoke lies about him, even though the problem has not gone away at all, we see that from this moment onwards, from verse 4 onwards, the psalmist changed his mood. He changed from pleading, pleading to God, from declaring the right responses towards God, and then finally ending in praise to God. And see, we see in verse 4 here that he began to understand how he ought to act in these circumstances. Uh, he said in verse 4, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on bed and be silent. Uh, you may wonder, uh, what does the psalmist mean by be angry and do not sin? Uh, the being angry here is referring to being angry at those who spoke lies in verse 2. So the psalmist said that of course we should be angry at those wicked behaviors. Uh, but we must not sin. So he said we must be angry, but not let the anger lead us to sin. Uh, but you may wonder, in what way will our anger lead us to sin? Uh, well, there are two ways. Uh, first, our anger against those who are, who are doing wicked things uh, might lead us to hate them. You see, if we hate them so much so that we want them to disappear from the face of this, of this earth, then it is not righteous, isn't it? Then it means that we are harboring evil desire against them. And so Jesus was saying that, Jesus said in the gospel that hate and murder, they are both sin. They are both will be judged by God because both are evil desires to do harm to others. Uh, this is the sin that the psalmist wants us to avoid. Uh, the second way that our anger might lead us to sin is that as we, as we complain or as we, as we say about those wicked things that people done to us, we might say it in a way that actually we sin in the same way. We actually speak wicked things about them 
as we complain about the unrighteousness, that we sin with our mouth the way they sin with our mouth as well. And so the psalmist is urging us not to fall into the same sin or speaking wicked and evil words about them, even as we are attacked by them. And this is how we can interpret the end of phrase, uh, end of the phrase in verse 4, be silent, isn't it? He says, do not sin and then be silent. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't speak out for the truth. It doesn't mean that we, we don't say anything at all about the unjust. Uh, but it does mean that while we do that, we have to be careful, isn't it? Uh, with, with, what, with what, how we say it. Uh, but interestingly, the word be silent in Hebrews can also mean well, as in weep and cry. Uh, so instead of saying be silent, do not speak evil about them, it could be that saying, uh, the psalmist said that we, have, we can wail on our bed, cry about it. So he could be saying that while we are to guard our own hearts, guard our actions while we're being attacked, we can cry out to God on our bed at night, uh, lamenting about the injustice we have faced. And this leads us naturally to verse 5. And the psalmist said in verse 5, Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. The psalmist said that we can trust in the Lord. We can trust because when we are attacked verbally, God knows that we're in fact godly, isn't it? God knows that we are, we are not on the wrong side. God knows that others have treated us wrongfully. See, others may twist lies so that those around us may not know the truth, but God always knows, isn't it, when we've done the right thing. And because we trust in the Lord, the psalmist says we should offer the right sacrifices. Right, what does it mean to offer the right sacrifices? Just a brief uh, background. Uh, in the Old Testament times, when the people of God sinned, uh, they have to offer sacrifices, uh, meaning they have to kill an animal uh, to pay for their sins. That's what sacrifice is. Uh, but if you read Psalm 51, right, a part of the Psalm uh, where it talks about sacrifice, it says that God doesn't actually delight in the killing of animals uh, when people sin. Uh, what God really wants in the sac- with the sacrifice uh, is a broken and humble heart, not so much the killing of animals itself. So we see here from Psalm 51, if we use that context to here, we see here that the right sacrifice is not so much using the right kind of animal, uh, but having the right attitude when you're offering sacrifice. Uh, how do you have the right attitude? You see, the sacrifice of animals are meant to show that sins are serious, are meant to show that there's a penalty for sin that involves the death of an animal. So those who offer sacrifice with the right attitude will be humble before God, will realize the seriousness of their sins and repent of their wrongdoing. So the psalmist uh, is asking us to do that, isn't it? Uh, to offer the right sacrifices. So we see here in, in these two verses, uh, the psalmist asks those who are being verbally attacked, first of all, in verse 4, for them not to sin themselves. And then to verse 5, he says, if you have sinned, we are to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And this makes sense, isn't it? If we trust in God that he will favor the godly ones, then we should seek to be godly, isn't it? Uh, as we say in verse 4. And then we should ask for forgiveness we have, if we have not acted in a godly way, as in verse 5. Uh, so we see in verse 4 and verse 5, uh, the psalmist gave instructions to those who were being attacked on how they should act, act themselves instead. And then in verse 6, he turned his attention uh, to face those who might doubt the wisdom of such instructions. Well, the verse 6 wrote, uh, there are many who say, who will show us some good? See, the psalmist asks us to trust God and to act rightly, even though it's hard. But then many will say, what's the point of doing that? Uh, who will reward us? Will God reward us? 
Well, how does the psalmist answer here? The psalmist in the next phrase called out to God. He said, Light up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So the psalmist is saying that, yes, God does show us good. It is by shining the light of his face upon us. But you might be scratching your head, what does it mean by the light of his face shining upon us? Well, it's not explained here what this phrase means, uh, but this phrase has been, has been quoted exactly in many parts of the other psalms. Uh, if you go to the context of those psalms, uh, we can understand the, the, the meaning of this phrase. So in, in Psalm 31, uh, this phrase means that God will show us his steadfast love. In Psalm 67, it means that God will give us grace and bless us. In Psalm 80, it means that God will save us. So the psalmist answer those who doubt God by saying that those who are faithful to God, God will indeed show his steadfast love and bless them. And this is what it means by let the light of your face shine upon us. Uh, because of, of the fact that God will bless us and show us his steadfast love, the psalmist said in verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than, when, than they have when their grain and wine abound. Uh, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Uh, this is an important verse for us to know. What kind of joy is the psalmist talking about? You see here, uh, there's a contrast here. The contrast here is between uh, the joy from God and the joy of those who have a lot of grain and wine, isn't it? So the psalmist is saying that even though he might not have grain and wine abounding in his house, God has given him more joy than those who have abounding possessions. So we see here that the joy that psalmist received from God is not based on his material riches at the moment. It's not based on favorable circumstances uh, that, he, that he had at the moment. And so the psalmist understood that God's blessing and steadfast love was not always to be shown in his immediate circumstances. But the psalmist knows that he may not enjoy security and blessings, material blessing at that particular time. But he knows that God still favors him. Right? He knows because of, of what God has done for him in the past and what God will do for him in the future. Uh, what did God do for him in the, in the past? Back in verse 1, the psalmist said, uh, God has given him relief when he was in distress. So the psalmist knew that God can be trusted. God has saved him and delivered him before. Therefore, he can trust God. And then in verse 8, he says, the Lord alone will make, will make him do it in safety. So the psalmist looked forward to a future time where God will give him vindication from his enemies. And the psalmist knows that God will do that because of what he has done in the past. And this is why the psalmist can have more joy in God alone even though others seem to be more blessed materially at the moment. Uh, the psalmist knows that if he remains godly and faithful to God, God will definitely favor him. That is why he can look to God alone for joy. Uh, and so from this, uh, from this short little verse, we should know that as Christians, uh, we shouldn't look to our external circumstances or the material comfort that we have as a sign of God's blessing upon us. Uh, some Christians actually say that, yes, uh, material blessings are indeed the sure sign of God's blessing. Uh, some churches even emphasize material prosperity now as God's favor upon us. Uh, so let me just spend some time on this issue. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that God will not guarantee us Christians with material blessing now on this earth. Uh, he will not guarantee us material blessings. Sometimes he does give, sometimes he doesn't. And, and some, some wrongfully say that when Christians are not materially blessed, 
it is because they have not enough faith or because they do not please God enough. Uh, that is not true at all. Uh, that is simply not true. Because the Bible never says so. Uh, when God doesn't give us material blessing, uh, it could be many reasons. It may be because he's, he, he may be trying to build up our character. He may be wanting us to trust in Him instead and to learn endurance that He doesn't give us material comfort. Or sometimes it may be just because of our own laziness, isn't it? Or our own mismanagement that we struggle with material needs. Uh, but but when, we, when, we, when we are blessed with material richness from God, it is mainly because God is good to us and He provides us generously so that we may give thanks to Him and know that He is the provider and sustainer of this universe. Uh, but what He provides us for us materially uh, is not so much a reward. It's not a reward for our godliness or faith to Him. Why? Uh, because simply because there are many people who do wicked things. Even they have been blessed with material riches. Uh, there are many who blatantly reject God. They also prosper materially. So how can it be a reward for faithfulness or godliness? Well, in the gospel, Jesus talked about God being the generous God who sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And all people of this earth should give thanks to God and honor Him. Uh, but these people do not, those who reject God. And these people, uh, as they continue to receive from God and as they continue to reject God, there will be no excuse when God comes to judge them in the future. At that time, uh, the material richness that they have will not be a blessing anymore, but it will be an evidence that condemns them, be evidence that proves that their condemnation in the future judgment uh, is deserved. Uh, therefore, we see that material prosperity now is not a blessing for God, it's not a blessing of God for those who are faithful to God. Why? Because both the good and the wicked have material richness. And because the godly ones sometimes have them, sometimes do not have them. Well, if material prosperity is not the blessing of those who are faithful and godly, then what is the blessing? Well, the Bible makes it very clear. The true blessing is a reward that we we'll receive in the future kingdom of heaven. On the future kingdom of heaven, the Bible tells us it's a glorious place where the streets are actually laid in gold. As the book of Revelation picture for us, it is a place where the sun is not even needed because God's glory will shine so brightly. And the Bible tells us that all those who are faithful to God, every one of them will receive this kingdom of heaven in the future when Jesus returns again. All those who are faithful to God, not one will miss out. And on the other hand, those who reject God, none of them will enter this kingdom. None of them will receive that. And so we see that the reward is in the future and not now. But then you may ask, uh, what is a sign now? What is a sign now that we are blessed by God? Well, the sign is our faithfulness to God. Uh, we know that we are the blessed one of God if we seek to be righteous before God. As we see the psalmist emphasize in this psalm, uh, the Lord hears the godly ones. He set him apart from himself. Uh, finally, uh, the psalmist said in verse 8, uh, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Uh, you see, the psalmist was facing verbal attacks from those who lied about him. And there was no indication at all that in this psalm that, the, that God took away all these attacks. Uh, nonetheless, the psalmist said that he could sleep peacefully at night uh, because he knew 
that in the future, God will cause him to dwell in safety. The, fast, the psalmist knew that he will not be judged in the future like those wicked ones, but he will dwell happily in God's kingdom. And therefore, he could sleep peacefully at night, even though he was facing those lies, those verbal attacks. Uh, you see, one of the great joys of being a Christian is that we can sleep soundly at night, isn't it? Because we know that nothing can harm us ultimately uh, if we trust in God. Uh, before I became a Christian, uh, I don't really sleep well at night. Uh, I used to have a lot of bad dreams before I, became a, before I come to trust in Jesus. Well, it sounds, it sounds silly, uh, but before, when I was a non-Christian, I used to worry a lot about what people think of me. Uh, I spent time before I sleep uh, thinking about whether others will be impressed by me, uh, thinking about what I could say or done differently uh, to appear more better in front of other people. And so, uh, thinking about that uh, caused me to worry and lose sleep. But after I became a Christian, uh, one big difference I realized is that I have better sleep and less dream, uh, simply because I know that there's only one opinion that matters in my life, and it's God's opinion of me. Uh, I know that I please God when I believe His words and trust in Jesus. And so knowing God personally helps me not to worry about what others think of me. And so in this psalm, uh, we also learn about what could have made the psalmist lost sleep. What could have made the psalmist lost sleep is those is worrying about those who spoke wicked lies about him. I know most of you might not be as egoistic as me, but some of you may also have lost sleep over those who, who spoke against you, who speak lies and gossip about you when you were acting righteously. But the psalmist said, don't worry about all those lies. Don't worry about all those verbal attacks. They cannot truly harm you if you trust in God. You shouldn't worry about them if you know that God is your true security, is your true delight. You have joy in Him alone and can sleep peacefully at night. Uh, earlier I mentioned about the young lady who came to the church crying. As far as I know, she's not a Christian. So I told her that God certainly cares for her, uh, for her suffering. God certainly doesn't approve of those who sin against her. I told her that she can trust in God to help her and I encouraged her to find out more about God. I've never met her since that, that, that day, uh, but I pray for her. I pray for her and many others like her, that they will come to know the God who cares about the wickedness and sin of this world. I pray for them to know the true security and the delight that God has given for those who trust in Him. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we uh, thank you so much, Father. Uh, for you have spoken to us, you reveal yourself to us. And we thank you, Father, that you are God who cares about uh, all the wickedness of this world, all the lies that people speak of those uh, who remain right, who seek to be righteous. We thank you, Father, that you are a true refuge and that if we trust in you and in what you give us for us in the future, uh, we, will be, uh, we will not be worried about all those harms. Uh, we know that we are secure in you and that we can sleep peacefully at night. Father, pray, Father, that we may understand uh, this uh, security that we have in you and that we may be able to sleep soundly tonight. We pray this, Father, in the Son, Jesus' name. Amen.